Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Tim Ryder, the Apple, simply amazing. You know what wasn't simply amazing? This weekend for the Mets. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the game's not even over yet. I have it on mute. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, 12-4 now? Yeah, 12-4. Uh, I've had enough of that. I've had enough of A-Rod. Uh, yeah, knocking this out. And uh, it's just a, a quick recap of the weekend. Again, <laughs> not much to recap. Uh, there were bright spots. Uh, again, we're always going to look for those. But... It didn't result to much. The Mets are, uh, again, it's 12-4 in the middle of the eighth right now. So uh, let's just assume that this one's over. Uh, the Mets will be two and a half games out heading to San Francisco Monday night. And uh, that's that's daunting. You have seven games coming up against arguably the two best teams in the National League. You know, you might not make it into the, uh, the calmer waters ahead of them. What do they have? Uh, the Nationals and the Marlins for 15 games straight between the two of them. Uh, you know, they don't come out and play over the next week in California. It doesn't matter who they're playing. It doesn't matter how many games are out. It doesn't matter how many games are left. If they're playing the way that they're playing right now, they're not going anywhere. There's no making up deficits. There's There's none of that. Um, you know, if you've listened to this show all season, if you read my content, I have confidence that the talent is there for this team to turn it around. It's it's getting to the point that it's going to take a um a, a a substantial, dramatic, almost miracle level turnaround to uh to really head into the postseason with a head full of steam. I mean, you know, it, it comes down to what's coming up this week. You got. Four, uh, three against the Giants. Again, best team in, in baseball. Uh, four against the Dodgers, who just, you know, overwhelmingly just destroyed you, you all weekend. And it was all right. You know, Friday night, the Mets, they fought back. I took it as an encouraging loss. Um, they went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in baseball. They scored four runs in the seventh to tie the game with two outs. It all started with Michael Conforto's two-out pinch hit double. That's gonna um that was encouraging to me. You come back, you show a little life. It really it had me in the in the right mindset to say, hey, they're gonna make a, a run of things this weekend. And you know, Familia gets rocked by Will Smith in the uh in the tenth inning on Friday and and you know, that was that. The Mets had their opportunities, and we'll talk about that a bit. They had opportunities all weekend. Um, Saturday, you know, Taiwan Walker versus Walker Bueller. It wasn't supposed to be a pitching matchup. It was supposed to be all hope. You know, let's hope Taiwan Walker can rediscover that, the, the groove he was in, and let's hope the Mets can pull something together against Walker Bueller. Uh, you know, Taiwan Walker was. Uh, 
<laughs> he went right to the Dodgers. He came back out. He had six and a third hitless innings before, you guessed it, Will Smith struck again, a big solo shot. You cannot pitch this guy inside. You know, I think the, the home runs he hit on Friday and Saturday, both of them, were either on the black or an inch inside. And, and boy, just uh, what an impressive player. You don't see catch, catchers uh, with, with that level of offensive uh, production or offensive profile like that. You just don't. I think the average catcher hits 240 or something with like a, a low 700s OPS. Uh, Will Smith, you know, you look up and down the Dodgers lineup even now. And hey, Billy McKinney, it was nice to see you this weekend. But you look up and down the Dodgers lineup, and there's, you know, 838 OPS, 840 OPS, 850 OPS, Max freaking Muncie. Will Smith hit another home run on Sunday. This guy's going to be, uh, he's the next, you know, generation of Met Killer. It's just a, a weekend to, heading into it, I, I, I had high hopes. Oh, the Mets are finding their rhythm against a, a not great team, but that's what a good team will do. They'll beat up on a bad team like the Nationals, and they'll, you know, they'll head into a big series with the Dodgers and uh, hopefully show some life. And it just, it didn't happen. They did a little bit, but you know, Walker Bueller did what Walker Bueller does. Uh, he was just nasty. That the the four seamer, the slider, the curve, everything is just disgusting. Uh, it's got to be a toss up between him and Zach Wheeler for National League Cy Young at this point with. You know what do we have? Six weeks left in the season. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a battle. Um, you know, I'm rooting for for Zach Wheeler, but I know nobody wants to hear that. But I'm still a Zach Wheeler fan. I do like Walker Bueller too. You guys happen to see his neck? Hey, oh, I thought Brandon Jury just hit a home run. Just a really major league pop fly. Um, Walker Bueller's neck. That thing is massive. I said it on Twitter over the weekend. Just it's like a baby brontosaurus thing. Is like a, it looks like a freaking boa constrictor. It's just one giant muscle, and it's got to be the same length as his head. The thing is just wild. But uh, yeah, it doesn't matter what his neck looks like. The guy pitches like a, like a madman. My goodness, what a stud! But again, on Saturday the Mets had chances. That leadoff guy on in the fifth, uh, VR base hitting a stolen base. Uh, in the seventh, J.D. Davis led off with a base hit. VR walked behind him. Again, he can't get, couldn't get anything cooking. And you know the Dodgers bullpen is good. These guys are all having very nice years. Uh, we saw them firsthand. They're they're a talented group. But you know you can't leave chances on the table like that. You can. You're not going to win games. And you know that just brings us right into Sunday. And uh, you know the Mets were down nine four in the seventh. And this is to end the seventh. They had bases loaded with one out twice in this game. And just to, and of course, you know, <laughs> bringing, to, uh, bringing into focus that the Mets have been a, an awful team with runners in scoring position this year. Um, you know, the Mets on Sunday night left, went 0 for 12 with runners in scoring position, left nine men on base. They scored four runs without a hit with runners in scoring position. It's just a, it seems like just an endless run of, oh, a sack fly, oh, a ground ball score somebody. Like, you know, you, you're not going to accomplish much as an offense with short spurts of production. And that's exactly what we've seen this team do. We've seen them produce in short bursts. It's, uh, 
And, you know, there's been injuries. There's been a lot of overlap. There's been a lot of underperformance. But, you know, you would just you would think that with the talent that is here, with the proven talent that is here, that these guys would come around. It just they're running out of time to do so. Um, You know, on paper, two and a half games with 40, 45 games left or 44 games left. It's not the end of the world, but. I think I said it earlier. Playing like this, it's not going to, uh, it's not going to do you any favors if you're trying to make up ground, if you're trying to to make a statement, if you're trying to find a rhythm. Just the uh, the the inconsistencies will end up being the you know the death of this 2021 team. And you don't know what this group's going to look like next year. You have no idea. Um, you know, Conforto's Michael Conforto's is having a really nice August, but. Is it too little, too late to to just pencil him in for next year? You would imagine the Mets are going to offer that qualifying offer. You would think that offers coming in for Conforto Services on the uh, open market might be a little underwhelming considering the season he had. But, you know, if he finishes out the season hitting like he has been over the last two weeks, that's uh, – um. One, it's a it's a marked improvement over where he was earlier in the season, but it puts the Mets in a in a precarious position. You know, in my just educated guess, I think the Mets do give Conforto the qualifying offer. I think he does accept it, and he plays this game again next year. But, um, yeah, the curtain was drawn back a little bit this season, and a strong finish would certainly help his cause not only for this season, but moving forward, just to kind of put that in the rear view. But, you know, it's, uh, the Mets might have other plans. The Mets, again, new ownership, and there's a lot to take care of on the uh, organizational side. And, you know, that's another another beast altogether. But the Mets may go out this, this winter and start spending like they want to. I know sustainable success is the big thing, but, um, you have to, wonder whether Steve Cohen is sitting at home, the you know, the mega fan that he is, whether uh, he's feeling the same as, you know, Mets Twitter might be right now, where everyone's just miserable, miserable. The place was so much fun earlier in the season, and even when it was the bench mob winning, it was just so much fun, and boy, man, the, uh, the vibes have absolutely deteriorated. Um, you know, I stay positive, but boy, uh, yeah. People just don't want to hear that right now, and I get that, and I respect that. I really do. I have to read the room better, but um, you know, I'm not going to change my outlook based on what people want to hear. That's just not what I do. Um, you know, it's the Mets, baby. This is just it's what it is. So, oh my goodness, I swear I couldn't be wrapping up this first segment at a better time. So before we go to commercial break. I just looked up and seen that Brandon Drury is getting his first major league pitching appearance, and that's just outstanding. You gotta just uh, you gotta be happy for him. You gotta be happy for the uh, the lucky fans in the stands. You get to see, and he's facing Billy McKinney. Oh, this is terrific! You know what, guys? We're gonna call this one. We're, we're gonna go ahead and play by play it. I've been listening to Howie and Wayne all night anyway, because my God, A Rod and Matt Vasquezian. I respect your uh, your your work and your craft, gentlemen, but. My goodness, that is painful. Okay, so Brandon Jury, he's hitting like 73 with his fastball. I think that's all he's throwing is a fastball right now. Came inside twice, having a little trouble finding that inside paint. Billy McKinney, he's taking him seriously. 
hey, there's a strike on the top of the zone for Drury. Came in at 72. Had a little break to it. I couldn't tell if that was just Magnus effect or what. Oh, this is fun. All right. So Drury's got McKinney at 2-1. Oh, gosh. Oh, good. Boy, I don't know what the camera angle is, but this is like the fifth time tonight I thought that a pop fly was a home run. McKinney pops out to Conforto. Brandon Jury's ERA is a, uh, a crisp 0.0. Oh, Max Muncy. Max Muncy, you're a funny fellow. I remember a couple of years ago, Max Muncy hit a – it was our first inning home run. It was a mammoth home run. It's a first inning home run. And he threw his bat so far, I couldn't wrap my head around it. If that happened today, I'd be like, oh, look, that's a cool bat flip. A few years ago, I was genuinely sour. Anyway, back to back to Brandon Jerry pitching here. He's uh, he's ahead 0-1 on – he's facing the Dodgers reliever, uh, Uceta. I apologize. I can't remember his first name. Edwin. Edwin Uceta. Big E-dub. Uh, so Jerry's got him 1-1. Oh, he threw a little gas there. Put a little mustard on that. He hit 78. Guys, I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. It's, what, 10, 10.40 on a Sunday night? Just having a blast. Oh, he's throwing gas by you, Seth, now. 76. He's got him at 2-2. Two and two. Pick up that strikeout, Drury. Let's go. Brandon Jury comes to the set. Oh, he gets a little ground out. But, hey, perfect inning intact. Let's go. See? We can add a little excitement. Doesn't matter if the offense is fucking lifeless. Excuse my language. I really have been act actively trying not to curse. But, uh, you know, Brandon Jury's pitching. The Mets are down 12-4. for 12 with the runners in scoring position. Just It's the formula for this sort of mood. I hope you guys are having a, having a good time. So, Jury's got two down here. He's, uh, I would say his fastball's averaging somewhere around 75. That oat that I guess it was one one to Uceta. That thing had some some uh, a little zip to it. Look at McCann. He's throwing signs like Jerry's got pitches. Oh my god, he plunked him. <laughs> he hit he hit Trey Turner right in the ass. Trey Turner's pumping his fist like it's a big deal. He's up by eight runs in the ninth. Oh, I think oh my goodness, was he mocking Nimmo? Oh guys, this is fun. Oh, by the way. After break, we're coming back with uh, the gang from Southside Sox. Our friends Keelan Ballou, Tommy Barbie, and Colleen Sullivan. Oh, shoot. Yeah, and that's that. Was that Matt Beatty? Into the Coca-Cola seats. Ah, sorry about that ERA brain injury. Well, that's 14 to 4. That's also my cue to wrap this up. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. The uh, Our friends over at Southside Sox are going to come in and cleanse our palate of this Mets weekend with some very fun Chicago White Sox talk. A team that's appearing to be heading towards the postseason with absolutely no obstacles in their way. And, uh, yeah, you know, let's have some fun. And oh, I would say we'll hope for a better week, but, uh, yeah, we shall see. Enjoy the second half. Hang, hang tight while we hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, nah, everything's peachy. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force One. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 
5160 declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back. Tim Ryder from the Apple, Simply Amazing. Folks, we're going to take a look into the other uh, the other half of the uh, of Major League Baseball today. We're going to welcome our friends, the whole gang from Southside Sox. So we have the co-hosts of the Killer Bees podcast and also uh, two, two-fifths, I want to say, of the Estrogen Hour podcast. Uh, Keelan Blue, Tommy Barbie, and Colleen Sullivan. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I was on your show recently, so of course we're gonna, you know, reciprocate the uh the welcome and and you know, the White Sox are well on their way to uh, a very exciting season, second postseason appearance as well within their reach. I think they're what, eleven up or ten up in the division? And uh I think after today it's ten. like ten because yep. Cleveland won like eleven and nothing. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland and Detroit are um, are actually fighting it out for that second. I mean, they're out of the wild card for the most part, but uh, yeah, bright futures coming up, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, I think I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, the White Sox are going to the postseason unless like they completely bottom out and lose every game between like now and October. Yeah. Which I guess could happen, but that would be like pretty historic. Yeah, even uh, yeah. for Sox standards, that would be borderline yeah. unheard of. So yeah. <laughs> well, you know, um, you, you guys are you guys follow the White Sox. Um, I'm sure you you remember it, but uh, the Mets blew uh, a seven game lead with 17 games to play in 2007. So nothing's out of the realm of possibility. <laughs> no, true. I remember that, and yeah. um, the Sox. It was one of Ozzy's final years. They choked away the lead uh, for the playoffs too. So, I mean, it, it can happen. I just, I, I don't see it happening. Knock on no. wood. Yeah, no, not with wood. this group. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead. No, knock on wood that it doesn't happen, but I would be very <laughs> surprised. So you guys, there, there's been injuries, um, I guess, injured players returning. Uh, the, the lineup, I mean, even without Yasmani Grandal, who's still out, you know, that's a, um, when 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 the team can bat Luis Robert eighth, that's a uh, that's a pretty deep lineup. Yeah, that was super interesting, um, but kind of weird, like because it was like, oh, I guess you know we have some insurance, and then I know last night it was like there was insurance with uh, Luis Robert and then Andrew Vaughn pinch hitting, and then um, our friend Zach Collins was last, <laughs> and so that was a little a little weird. But yeah, it was crazy. That's like the first time this season it's it felt like. Oh man, we've got we've got depth finally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have Eloy back, and he's just on been on such a tear. Tim Anderson's the you know anyone who follows the Sox closely knows the type of player he is. Now he's starting to get that national recognition, and that's kind of got to be really exciting for Sox fans. I don't know it how is. I feel about them getting national recognition. Like I'm so used to ESPN, like forgetting that they won a World <laughs> Series and forgetting like leaving them off of stuff that it feels really weird like oh you guys really do know that people exist it's it's just uh, very strange to me yeah i think the other thing that makes it weird too is that this is the first time 
really since the early 90s that the Sox have had this level of homegrown talent. Like even with the 05 World Series, that was largely built on a bunch of free agents and trades just working out, um, you know, based on their, you know, finding guys having career years and that was it. But this team, especially guys like Tim Anderson, they were, he was drafted by the White Sox and, you know, you've seen him kind of mature into the leader that he's become. And it's really cool to see. And it's the same thing for the rest of the guys, whether it's, uh, you know, Luis Robert or Eloy who are, you know, still figuring things out or guys like Abreu, who's now kind of the, you know, the veteran of the team, which is still kind of weird to say. That's kind of where I was going like this. I was a, you can remember just a few years ago, he was, Oh wow. This big, you know, international free agent signing He's going to be an immediate impact player, you know, and what seems like, maybe a half a decade it's probably been more but um you know he's won an mvp he's like you said he's the veteran of this team and and he seems like the perfect type of demeanor to to do that he 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 produces he's he is that guy i you guys have had struggles with um yoan mancada this year right yeah Yeah. kind of (laughs) It's that, it's that, weird. that sounded like the Michael Conforto. Yeah, it's it a is. tough one. It's very much the same yeah. thing where I think it it is the the constant struggle of the flashes that Moncada has shown have like the highs are so high with him that it is still impossible to figure out what kind of player he is. Yeah. And I I know yeah. it's the exact same thing with Conforto, where it's just like there's this brief window where it's like oh my god this player is amazing and then something happens where it's just like the bottom falls out and then it's like okay was that a mirage or are they struggling <laughs> what's happening right now and despite the fact that Mankata is on his fifth full season I think it, it's still hard to figure out what kind of player he is yeah he's a bit of a roller coaster though he was out he got really sick from COVID last year. So that was kind of a wash and he wasn't like, after he came back, he was not really the same. Yeah. And I feel like this year, as I've been watching him, sometimes it feels like he's just, it's kind of over it. Um, And a lot of that could be stemming from like, there's a lot of stuff going on in Cuba. As somebody pointed out once, which not to discount any of that, but there are some times when I like, when he strikes out and he's just kind of like, whatever. You know, so it, it's a little, it's a little strange. And that's yeah, also, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Tom. Oh, I was just going to say, it's also strange too, because um, I, I have no idea what his latest batting average is against fastballs, but it's like below the Mendoza line. Like it's unheard of being a professional hitter that's been in the league for as long as he has not being able to hit fastballs. And it's between that and his overall tentativeness, it's just, I think that's where the frustration has come from for, for a lot of folks that are watching him. The, the parallels between Mancata and Conforto. Um, so Conforto had, had COVID earlier in the year. And of course, I, I'm never in the spot to say, oh, well, he's struggling because he's the aftermath of that. Unless the player admits it, which he hasn't, I'm not touching it. But um, yeah. there's, there's parallels there because, you know, he, he's the inconsistencies as far as the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, I mean, he'll put it together for four months and then have two months of just, like you said, below the Mendoza line. He mm-hmm. struggled with fastballs this season to a point that's, it, it, it's almost, um, it, it's, 
you know, bewildering how how out of it he looked sometimes. Recently, I mean, in, in August, he's back to himself. He's he's up in the 300s and batting average. His OPS is probably touching 850 right now in, in August. But, uh, you know, if for the Mets, at least from their standpoint, you have to hope this is the trajectory towards one of those high points. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and you guys, kind of, I was oh. going to say, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, last year with Mankata, like they said he still was not feeling great after effects of COVID. Like you'd see him run from second to home and then he gets to the dugout and they've got oxygen for him. He, so like he was oh, very wow. obviously struggling from it. It, it was bad. I mean, wow. I, I covered a handful of games last year and I mean, he always looked winded where it just... Yeah. Anything, like you said, coming from second to home, but even just running it out to first, it was that was a lot for him. I mean, it affects everyone different. You saw what happened with um, Eduardo Rodriguez. Exactly. I mean, his career was was, you know, on the line there for a while with the heart thing. And he's come back and he's performed pretty well, all things considered. But yeah, it hits everyone differently. And you have to wonder if in Conforto's situation that might be affecting him. But he's certainly looking to come out of it now and. Uh, you know, like we said on the Mets side, that's really at a fortuitous time. And for the White Sox, I mean, if, if Mankata can put it together for a, for a divisional series or what have you, um, it just makes that lineup even deeper. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the just getting healthy, I think, is huge. Um, my favorite stat that I saw was that um, the first 78 games, the White Sox only had 72 home runs, which placed them in 28th in the majors. In the last 38 games, the White Sox have hit 65 home runs, which is oh the most God. in those. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's largely a byproduct of everybody getting healthy and having a full lineup. Like you see what the difference is, because this is a team last year that just was hitting home runs by the dozen. It seemed like every yeah. game. And, um, you know, I think that. Unfortunately, there there's a lot of emphasis on Menachino possibly not being the right hitting coach, and that's why the, the Sox have been struggling. But it's like they haven't had any power bats with, with consistency. And, you know, it, as much as people love Zach Collins, if he's behind Jose Abreu, I'm not pitching to Jose Abreu. I'm going to go after Collins instead. So I, I think that having a lot of the established hitters in that lineup really makes a huge difference. Oh, for sure. And I think the Mets can probably subscribe to that same sort of uh, outlook just from all the injuries early on in the season, um, getting everyone back. You have Lindor, who's inching towards a return. Um, Javi Baez, who's, you know, he came in, he hasn't had much of an impact, and now he's on the I.L. with the lower back thing. But, um, you know, the Mets had – oh, no. Oh, Colleen's laughing. Oh no! Oh, that's so cub. <laughs> that's so cub. Oh, we can't yeah. at all relate to getting really awful Cubs players and after oh. the trade, right? Oh my <laughs> goodness! <laughs> we knew this was gonna go here. That's okay. <laughs> I had a hard time with them getting Javi Baez because I just hate him so much, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, he's on the Mets now, and you know, and then he started off like he was hitting home runs. So well, he wasn't. Yeah making a shit ton of errors like he was on the Cubs. He wasn't striking out all the time. Um, and then it just kind of went and the Cubsness came back out where he's making <laughs> errors and he's starting to strike out. And I'm like, oh, look, he's he back like that. Yeah. Um, and then he got hurt and I was like, yep, that tracks. 
<laughs> it's it's funny because you know he had a um like you said a couple of nice games he had that amazing slide i don't know i'm not sure if you guys caught a replay of this where he came yeah. in and did like some swim move in miami and he was safe and then i think the next night he struck out five times so you know we're getting to see the full i guess the 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 full palette of uh of javi baez but when he's right he's a, he's a difference maker and, and i guess that the mets are banking on that uh, we were saying before I hit record, we were a little shocked that the Mets didn't do more at the trade deadline. And and that's something that Mets fans have kind of been griping about for the last month or so. But uh, the White Sox went out and made moves that they kind of had to make. You go out and get Cesar Hernandez, uh, Craig Kimbrell, add them into the mix. And, uh, you know, the Sox are really setting themselves up for a nice postseason run. Yeah, I'm actually not that impressed with the guys that we got at the trade deadline. Uh Wow. Cool I haven't joy. heard this yet. Tough, tough, <laughs> <laughs> tough critic. So that was, um, yeah, I, I was watching today, and I forget what Caesar. Oh, it was like the throw to Tim where he, like, he threw it from right field, and, like, it bounced and went a weird way from Tim, and it was, like, an, it was an error, and it was a whole big mess. Um, and there was a lot of messy stuff that happened today. <laughs> um, but after that, I was like, you know what? I am not impressed with any of these guys we got. Like, Cesar Hernandez has just been, I feel like he's just been like, okay. You know, like they brought him in and, you, you know, after playing against him on the Indians for so long and like, oh, he's this big superstar. He's so great. He's going to contribute all this stuff. And he's just been like, eh. Um, and then Kimberl and Tempera. I keep calling him Tempera and I know. <laughs> Tempera. Um, hey, that, that's MVP vote getter, Tempera. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, with, I mean, and they haven't been on, they haven't had many opportunities, but I feel like the opportunities that they've had, not great. Um, I feel like I, it's the Kimbrel of last year that we're kind of seeing, which makes me nervous. Don't don't put that out there. No, don't say that. <laughs> Speaking it into like, existence. I'm, not, I, I'm just not that impressed with that. Fair. You know, I'm like, all right. Well, I mean, okay. it's got to be nice that because uh, Kimbrell has had a tough start. I think his ERA is somewhere in the fives since he came over. But um, being able to not have to lean on him for, for all the duties and still have Liam Hendricks and a, a Crockett still performing well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, it was really funny yesterday. He actually, like, yelled after he struck someone out. And I'm like, oh, he showed emotion. I'm so <laughs> he, like, anytime he does something, he's just kind of like, yeah. But just this really kind of stoic guy. And then yesterday he cheered. And I was like, oh, I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah. But Liam's kind of struggling right now. Yeah. But he? then a little yeah. Um yeah. And then the last couple games haven't been yeah. great. Yeah. And then it was only just the game yesterday. I went to the game yesterday um with the White Sox playing the Yankees and Craig Kimbrell walked out to or Kimbrell walked out to Whoop, there it is. And everybody was like hyped about it though. It was so funny. At first people were like, this is weird, but then they got really into it. And then he his first pitch just got like blasted and it was like, Oh my God. So yeah, that's not going to see that one again. Yeah. yeah. He's going to change up an experience exactly. right now. Yeah. Maybe get a different song. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think that might've been his first time walking out because he had, he did like sweet child of mine for a long time. And that was like his yeah. thing. And then it was like, Oh, he mixed it up and people were into it, but it's like, maybe not. 
<laughs> well, it's definitely the right time to introduce it. Nice Saturday night crowd. Everyone's a little fired up. Like, yeah, it's, you know, you can play anything. They're going to get fired up. Like, oh, it's a Sesame Street theme song. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> Manana, but, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like when Tim Anderson would come out to the song from Frozen because he let his daughter pick his walk-up music. That's awesome. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> that is cool. I let my daughter pick a, um, a, a, a title for the Apple one morning and it was just like so bland and regular. I'm like, shit, you she just do this for a living. Like I was stuck. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me something fun. It's just like, oh yeah, Mets get swept, need momentum. I'm like, oh, I could have wrote that. Come on. <laughs> Thanks, kid. Yeah, <laughs> really. I'm going to go to the younger one and get something fun. <laughs> um, I do like Cesar Hernandez. I saw him a bunch with the Phillies. Uh, I saw him a, a little bit with the Indians. I, I, well, I'm sorry, the soon-to-be Guardians. The Cleveland baseball team. We'll leave it at that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I guess you mentioned that he's just okay, but he's just consistently okay all the time. Like, that's it. That's an asset, and he's a great fielder. I think that was a really nice pickup. And, you know, it's that sort of depth that's going to be able to carry the White Sox from a – they lost in the first round last year? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to – you know, it's these types of moves that's going to kind of bring them to that next level, how far they can go. And you saw them play against the Yankees, who have been playing well right now this weekend. They lost the series – they won the game in Iowa, and they lost the other two, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 But, you know, they've the Sox have performed well. You look around the league, you know, I think Houston and the Yankees in the American League, at least, are the only teams they've had a real trouble with this year. Boston, they've played well against. Toronto, they've played well against. Tampa Bay, well, they Seattle. They have the Dodgers yet. That's like, I feel like the series against the Dodgers is probably going to be the one that really tells how it's going to go in the postseason. Yeah. Um, the They're Yankees, a tough, tough, disc, tough ticket. I don't know yeah, the Yankees, the Dodgers, like though. A, what? I don't know if anyone can beat the Dodgers. Like I, I, I get what you're saying, but it's just like yeah. I, I, mean, I won't feel even, bad. Not to yeah. even beat yeah. them, but to like at least try. Yeah, true. <laughs> like with the playing the Yankees. I mean, we have lost five out of six, but at the same time, it's always been close. It's like we're missing. Like it'll be literally like one or two runs. It's a play here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And today we had like quite a few things against us so yeah it is it still feels competitive even though you know we lose it's not like a blowout <laughs> yeah well the Mets I mean we're recording this before the Mets play Sunday night baseball but uh Friday and Saturday the Mets were hanging right with the Dodgers I mm-hmm. mean Friday night they fought yeah. and they, they stuck around in that game and it's a good litmus test it really is but yeah. you know you'd like to see the Mets come away with one of those games and then on on Saturday you know Taiwan Walker goes toe to toe with Walker Bueller, which nobody could have really predicted that. And, uh, you know, the Mets had their opportunities. And again, I'm recording this part of the show before the game, going to record the other part of the show after the game. So, you know, hopefully uh, I'm back to the future of myself right now. Oh, my God. OK. <laughs> I am optimistic about how the Mets are going to do once DeGrom and Syndergaard come back. Yeah, it's the big thing. Yeah, I think having the holes in the pitching staff in the starting pitching staff right now is making the bigger difference. Like, you know, Alonzo's still hitting. Um, Lindor's going to come back and hit and be fine. McCann's been hitting. Like, everyone is getting on base and doing what they're supposed to do. Well, McCann's falling off a bit of a cliff lately. He's he's going up and down, but he's still. But that's James McCann. Like that's that's what he does. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) what they signed up for for four years, forty million dollars. Yeah. 
But I think once DeGrom and Syndergaard come back, I think that's going to make a really big difference. Because once you have those like good core starting pitchers, I think the Mets are going to be unstoppable. Like once those two are back, I think there's going to be some good things happening. Because that's the thing where I feel more optimistic about the Mets than I do the White Sox, because the Mets still have pitchers coming back that will make all the difference in the world for the postseason run. The White Sox pitching staff right now look a combination of tired and not not quite all there yet. And we're relying on guys like Rodon that is probably going to end up throwing more innings than he's ever thrown in his entire career. Yeah. And Um, they've already had to rest. They've had to rest him for an extended period of time. And Giolito still hasn't been quite what he needs to be for this to really work. And it's making Keuchel. Yeah. Keuchel is still complaining about outfielders, you know, not playing. Sir, you need to have a conversation with yourself. Quit yelling about everybody else. You need to yell at yourself. Okay. Well, what is he worried about outfielders for? He's like a ground ball machine. Oh, my oh, God. He's complaining he's, that he they're used playing to be. deep. In. <laughs> he used to be. They're playing deep because they're taking him deep every game. Like, he yeah. gives up. Like, to be a ground ball pitcher, you have to rely on command. Quit giving him, put him in the middle. Runs, it's not going to It's not going to work if you put him in the middle. Um, but it's just, and, you know, it's a domino effect because if it cease is going to always be up and down. Like I know that people are hard on him. I, I think people need to be harder on the guys that are the veterans that are supposed to know what they're doing yeah, and yeah, able to pitch yeah, five, six it's innings. It's well known that if somebody sneezes in the 500, cease is going to have a hard time. Like that's exactly. not new. Yeah, that's not new. Yeah. <laughs> and it's fine if that's your only guy that's like that, but it's happening now with enough regularity that you've got like, even today, Matt Foster is a fine pitcher. This was not the situation for him. And it was just like, that's the kind of stuff where it's the domino effect of here's what happens when guys are only pitching four or five innings per start. Yeah. And this was the criticism, Tommy, that you and I had of Tony at the beginning of the year is that he can't manage the bullpen. He leaves pitchers in too long. It's a problem. It has always been a problem with Tony. And unfortunately, now we're really starting to see more of the effects of it. We're going to start seeing more of the pitchers be tired. Their shoulders are going to be worn out. Like, that's how it looked like with Giolito today. It looks like he's, they're just his arm is worn out. Yep. And it's August, man. Like, that's not good. Everyone has a dead arm at the same time. Yeah. And yeah. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. A full season after 60 is going to have that effect. And, you know, if, if DeGrom's still a question mark, whether he's even going to come yeah. back, he's True. shut down for another two weeks. They're hoping sure. to, I guess they're going to do re-imaging, ooh, I guess, two weeks from Thursday or something like that. Uh, from there, you know, if he's good to go, they'll ramp him up. But, you know, you're looking at maybe a mid-September return. What's he going to make? Two, three starts before the end of the year? If the Mets can jump into the postseason, yeah, that's going to have a great effect. But, you know, guys like Marcus Stroman, Taiwan Walker, Tyler McGill, who's been outstanding. You guys might have seen his brother. Um, oh, what the hell is his brother's name? Also starts with a T, and I just forgot it. Anyway, also McGill. <laughs> uh, he pitches for the Cubs. He made a few appearances this year. You know, these are guys that have shown the ability to do well. But again, the inconsistency, the the 
Tywin Walker, I think, threw 68 innings between 2018 and 2020 combined. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's already up over 100. Like, you know, he had a really nice start on Saturday, but, you know, you, I'm okay with giving guys breaks. And I think Larusa doing that old school, give me seven or you're not giving me enough. That's, it's yeah. slippery slope. And I'm not sure yeah. if he's actually giving guys seven, but from what no. you, from what how you're explaining it, it kind of feels like he's leaning on guys. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was going to say the, the, the Lance Lynn game and, and Iowa is the perfect example where like he threw like 110 pitches when it, it was clear he didn't have it after the fourth <laughs> inning. So it was just like things like that, where it's like 20 extra pitches here and there that just add up to this over uh, over usage of, of guys and just leaning too hard on them. And, you know, meanwhile, you got guys like Kopech that, need to get stretched out for games yeah. and, and yeah. need the innings. Let's Ooh, give nasty. those guys an opportunity. Yeah. And it's this old school, like people, my dad's age talk like this, like, Oh, they don't leave pitchers in long enough anymore. Like they go to the bullpen so fast. And that's really what it feels like. It feels like this old school guy mentality. Yeah. You want to put your pitching. you want to put your players in a position to succeed and on the pitching side, yep. you know, letting them go through the order the third time, at least per the numbers, it isn't doesn't usually work it out. Doesn't well. go well. So, you yeah. know, you have to construct your team for that. And it's funny. I think the White Sox were constructed for that. And then Larissa comes in. And he's like, nope, doing it this way. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You kind of had to expect that, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the trade deadline influenced a lot of that, too. Um. And, and that's why I was really shocked at, you know, how much or how aggressive Han was. Cause I mean, this is a guy that I, I didn't know if he was going to have a pulse during the trade deadline. And he <laughs> went out and, you know, Colleen, I know you don't love the moves necessarily, but he gave up very little to get yeah. all that he got. Yeah. And I just said, I'm, I'm not happy wild about, about how it's going. <laughs> No, I, I understand. I, I honestly, I think it would go better if this is my time. I have said this before. Liam Hendricks should be setting up for Craig Kimball. And I, I don't think it is to either of their advantage to have it constructed the way it is, because I don't think Kimbrell is a guy that can come out and just be thrown in in any specific time. The man's been a closer his entire career. You can't yeah. just say, okay, we're just going to throw you in when we need a few outs here and there, when the bases are loaded because Crochet has blown up again. Like yeah. that, that's not a good role Wait, for him. It's Crochet. It's not Crotchet. I call him Crotchet, but <laughs> it's crochet. crochet. Yeah, I call him the Crotchet. It's crochet. crochet. Like the, I, yeah. must have heard, I must have heard the joke version so many times that it just stuck in my head. <laughs> Because Crotchet is is he, just tattooed behind my eyes right now. It's what I see. It sounds oh, very Chicagoan right now, so it's yeah, fine. It's like yeah, I did. Backpack and everything. Don't tell anybody. I love Chicago pizza. I'll get killed around here for saying that, but it's the truth. I love it. It, it you can't. They're the not tavern comparable. style, man. Yeah, they're not. Well, well, that's you gotta do the tavern style. Not that's the your dish. that's your regular thin pizza. Yeah, I don't mind the, the thin. I mean, I don't mind the, the deep dish. I think that's amazing. It's just not what a New Yorker would refer to as pizza. It's more of a casserole, but it's delicious. Yeah. I love it. It's casserole. I like how, like, <laughs> I think it's funny. Like the New York Chicago pizza thing always just makes me laugh. People <laughs> get so serious about it. They get them. angry. Like, Y'all, it's food. Okay. Just 
Is it, did it boy oh, shut up and enjoy no. it? Eat it. Guys, I'm on Long Island. People get into fights like on a town per town basis or arguments, I should say. Oh, no, this place, you know, Gino's is better than, than Luigi's. Or, <laughs> I swear, no, these things happen. These things happen all the time at family parties. It, it just, it's uh, the piece of the world. Yeah, same thing happens in Chicago. People fight over the deep dish. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah it, it's not worth fighting over. It, it's all pretty much the same. It's fine. <laughs> Keelan, I'm curious, um, coming from the South, you were from Alabama, correct? Yeah. What's pizza like down South? Is it is it your oh, traditional? Oh, it's all chain, like Domino's. Oh, I mean, it? It's all chain stuff. Yeah, yeah. Nobody tries to do their own? Like, nobody there are like places that are, there were places we have pizza that was, more of like fancy pizza where it has like like more like gourmet toppings and things like that um i guess more of the like um pizza oven with like the black crispy bottom and it's kind of yeah. like what is it what is it called Neop- brick oven yeah like or i think Neopol- Neopol- or, uh, yeah yeah it kind of oh, ne- neapolitan yeah yeah and they kind of oh, do yeah. it more like that at restaurants but um nice. the place i like best in chicago is called jimmy's pizza cafe and i think it is actually more like new york style nice <laughs> there the was pieces. a place in san francisco i went to that was called um my aunts used to live in the haiti ashbury neighborhood um and now they they live in the mission but at the time that's awesome on, yeah. Uh, big deadhead fish head and Hyde Ashbury. I'm like, oh, good. Please go on. Yeah, I, I haven't been back. I haven't been there for a few years, so it probably looks nothing like it used to the last time I was there. But there was <laughs> somewhere on Hate Street called Back to New York Pizza. Um, and one of my 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 mom's sister's from Michigan. Her wife is from New York. I think she's actually from Long Island. Um, oh, but nice. she would swear this place tasted like genuine New York style pizza, and it was good. That's I great. mean, compared to other pizza places in California, that's for sure. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's my only experience with New York pizza. It's just like oh, you find slice. gems. Oh, if you guys ever make it out, I, my treat, I'll give you the, the tour of the, the pizza tour, at least the pizza tour of Long Island, because keeping track of the city is just impossible. Keelan, I have one more question, and I was curious. Is it Auburn or Crimson Tide for you? Oh, man. Tommy and I were just talking we about just this earlier about today. This. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm actually... I went, I did not go to either for undergrad. I went to um, the university of Alabama for grad school, but by that time I was like, whatever. Um, my brother actually, <laughs> most of my family's from Georgia and oh, okay. my brother played football for um, the university of Georgia. So that's who I was oh, for cool. growing up, but now I'm kind of like unaffiliated. So Tommy and I were talking <laughs> about this today because he was talking about getting a Bo Jackson Jersey. He has one. And I like, he was talking to me about getting one and I was like, I should do that. And he was like, even though like he did play for Auburn, I was like, I don't care. I like both. So <laughs> yeah, I've finally Very outgrown good. my like territorialness about one or the other. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm from New York. We don't have many college football teams down here. Syracuse oh. upstate, but that's no about it. Room. Yeah, uh, I mean, you guys oh. have pro sports. Like, I don't oh, even but, you know. know St. John's when St. John's basketball is doing well, that picks up the city pretty well. Um, Fordham's had their moments, but they're very low key. Uh, you know. All right. Sorry about that, guys. We got cut off at the end there. Uh, just to throw out everyone's social media handles again. Keelan was at at Keelan underscore Ballou, B-I-L-L-U-E. And her first name is Keelan, K-E-E-L-I-N. Colleen is very simple, at Colleen Sullivan, S-U-L-L-I-V-A-N. And Tommy Barbie is at at Kinda Blue, K-I-N-D-A-B-L-E-U, like blue cheese. Uh, everyone's content is up at Southside Socks. Uh, Keelan and Colleen are both part of the Estrogen Hour podcast, which 
outstanding, extraordinarily funny listen when they do put out uh, episodes. Please put it on your list to, uh, to check out because it's uh, extremely entertaining. And uh, yeah, uh, the Killer Bees podcast, of course, with uh, Keelan and Tommy. Uh, that comes out a little bit more frequently. And please do follow along there because uh, also a very good listen. And the White Sox appear to be in position to uh, make a very exciting run at least into October and hopefully uh, deep into October. And for us, we'll be back on Friday, uh, hopefully with some more exciting Mets news to discuss. This team can make a run and make things exciting. And uh, yeah, you guys know the story. Let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you next time. We're out of here, man. Peace. Peace.